Mohs Surgery. What is this procedure and what is its role in treating skin cancer? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars, and joining me today from New York is Dr. Desiree Ratner, Associate Clinical Professor of Dermatology at Columbia University Medical Center. Dr. Ratner is a board-certified dermatologist who specializes in Mohs micrographic surgery. She's also the Director of Dermatologic Surgery at Columbia Medical Center. Today, we're discussing Mohs procedure and its role in the treatment and removal of skin cancer. Welcome, Dr. Ratner. Thank you for having me. What is Mohs procedure? Mohs surgery was invented by Dr. Frederick Mohs, who lived in Madison, Wisconsin, so it's not an acronym for anything. Most people think that that's what it is. And Mohs micrographic surgery refers to a technique used to remove skin cancers that allows complete visualization of the margins of the specimen to make sure that the tumor is completely removed. And how did Dr. Mo develop this procedure? He was actually a medical student at the time that he began playing around with skin cancer. And at that time, he was using zinc chloride paste to fix the tissue. And at that time, what he would do is he would paint the zinc chloride paste onto the skin cancer of a patient and send the patient home to fix, basically. And then the patient would return the next day and he would remove the tissue and process it so he could look at it under the microscope and make certain that it was completely removed. And if it wasn't completely removed, he would again put the zinc chloride paste back on, send the patient home to fix and repeat the process the next day until the skin cancer was completely removed. He didn't start with people, obviously. He started working initially with rats and over time perfected the procedure. And he ended up going into general surgery. He was not, in fact, a dermatologist. And his research and clinical experiences basically changed the way we practice dermologic surgery. And when was his technique generally adopted by the medical community? The zinc chloride paste technique was actually used for a long time by not a whole lot of people. And in the 1970s, really, the ability to process frozen sections became widespread. And that's the point at which many more physicians started performing this type of surgery. So let's talk about the four steps of of the Mohs procedure in detail. Well, to start with, the lesion is numbed with a little area of normal-looking skin around it. And before I do any cutting with a scalpel, I use a curette, which is a very useful tool to remove the the mush that constitutes a skin cancer. Skin cancers are mushy. Normal skin is not mushy. So I can use the curette to get a rough idea of where that spot is going. So you do this, sorry to interrupt, you do this procedure in your rooms, in your... your, Oh, yes, I do it under local anesthesia in standard office rooms, which are set up for surgery. And so you get the curette and you remove any sloughed dead tissue? It's actually viable tissue. It's Mm -hmm. viable tumor tissue. Mm -hmm. And that's all completely removed. So oftentimes there's a little divot in the middle of the area where the skin cancer was. And then I take a narrow margin of normal looking tissue around and under that using the standard blade and forceps and scissors. And that tissue is mapped so that I know exactly where that tissue was on the patient and how it was oriented. I can then take that tissue to my laboratory technician who processes it and does it in such a way that I know up from down and left from right. While this whole processing thing is happening, the patient has a bandage placed on their surgical site and they wait. And they may wait anywhere from a half an hour to a couple of hours. And assuming that everything has been completely removed, 
then the reconstruction can be performed after that. And when you have a patient schedule for most procedure, will you have already done a biopsy to determine the exact diagnosis or are you going on a visual and clinical diagnosis? Generally, the patients who are referred to me have already had a biopsy either by their dermatologist or another type of physician and they're referred to me with a known biopsy-proven diagnosis. And Dr. Ratner, how does this procedure differ from the standard frozen section histology that physicians might be more familiar with? It actually differs significantly, and the difference is vertical versus horizontal sectioning. Vertical sectioning is what's traditionally performed by regular pathology labs, and it involves bread loafing. So if you imagine a loaf of bread, and imagine that as your tissue sample, basically slices are taken through it. The problem is that, let's say, a little root of tumor is extending in between two of those slices. That tumor will actually remain, and the margins will be declared clear by the pathologist. In horizontal frozen sectioning, what happens is we're able to look at the entire periphery and the entire deep surface of the specimen as if it were an orange peel or an orange rind. And with that 100% visualization, even the tiniest roots of a tumor can be visualized and precisely pinpointed and removed. If you're just joining the discussion, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Lushars, and I'm speaking with Dr. Desiree Ratner. We're discussing Mohs surgery and its application in the treatment and removal of skin cancer. Dr. Ratner, what are the indications for the Mohs procedure? Well, the Mohs procedure is performed most commonly for what are called high-risk skin cancers, usually non-melanoma skin cancers. And these are lesions whose location is in what we call a high-risk anatomic location on the central face, ears, lips, eyelids, areas where conservation of tissue is really a necessity in terms of performing the reconstruction. Hands, feet, genitalia also are included in in high-risk locations. Also lesions that are large, greater than two centimeters is generally the cutoff size that we talk about, that are recurrent. So they've been treated with something else and have come back after previous treatment. If they have an aggressive histologic growth pattern, which in the case of basal cell carcinoma means morpheiform or micronodular, and in the case of squamous cell carcinoma is the more poorly differentiated lesion. The other features that are of concern on biopsy are perineural or perivascular invasion. And in some cases, there are... um, acantholytic tumors, squamous cell carcinomas, which are thought to be at slightly higher risk. And then lastly, patients who are immunosuppressed are also at higher risk for developing aggressive tumors. Is Mohs technique a first-line treatment for melanoma as well or not? That's actually a complicated question. The literature is very strong in terms of standard margins for treating melanomas, both in situ and invasive. There are most surgeons who are very good at performing immunostaining for melanoma, and they use the technique to trace out the margins of in situ or thin melanomas in the same way as this would be performed for non-melanoma skin cancer. I'm actually one of the physicians who performs modified Mohs for melanoma as I don't believe that the, pigmented, that the pigment cells are visualized as well in frozen sections that I use. So I send my tissue out to be processed as they would be in Mohs surgery, but by my regular pathology lab. So that way I have 
a day or two turnaround, I know whether the specimen is clear and if need be, I can go back and take more tissue. What are the risks of Mohs surgery that you discuss with your patients? The risks of Mohs surgery is the same as you would have with any other surgery, bleeding, infection, scar, risk of recurrence, and that's about it. Is there ever need for involvement of a plastic surgeon during the procedure? That depends to a significant degree on the Mohs surgeon and how comfortable they are with reconstruction. In my practice, I reconstruct about 95% of the patients that I see. There are some who require involvement of an oculoplastic surgeon, for example, if they have lesions that are on the lash line or involving the tear duct. If there's a patient who requires a total nasal reconstruction under general anesthesia, that would be someone that I would refer. And then there are patients who require the services of, for example, a surgical oncologist or an ENT to perform either outer table removal or lymph node dissection. So it's generally the the patients who have larger procedure requirements that I end up referring out for consultation. In the USA, is it only dermatologic surgeons who perform Mohs procedure? That's correct, but there are actually um, there's actually more than one group of physicians who perform the procedure. The group to which I belong is the American College of Mohs Surgeons, and these are fellowship-trained individuals who are trained in dermatology first, so they've done a dermatology residency followed by a year or two-year fellowship exclusively in dermatologic surgery, including Mohs surgery and reconstruction. The second group of people who performs this procedure is considered now procedural dermatologists. These are, again, fellowship-trained individuals who've performed a one- or two-year fellowship. This one's approved by the ACGME, and this is a growing number of physicians. This is a more recently approved venue for getting training And then the third group is called the American Society for Mohs Surgery, and these are dermatologists who have an interest in the technique who have performed 75 cases, I believe, including one proctored by a member of the society, and these individuals also perform the technique. And how many patients do you perform this surgery on annually? Between seven and 800 patients annually. And how did you personally develop an interest in this area of dermatology? It's actually the area that drew me initially to dermatology. When I did my first rotation in dermatology, one of the stops that I made was within the operating room of the Mohs surgeon. And once I went in, I basically never came out. I knew from the third year of medical school that that was what I was going to do. Is there any advances in the way Mohs surgery is performed? Do you think there's any way to improve the technique that currently exists? Well, Yes, the whole area of immunostaining is actually the area in which this is transforming the most. Using immunostains, as I mentioned, we can do most for melanoma. Additionally, there are other tumors such as DFSP or dermatofibrosarcoma pertuberans or sebaceous carcinoma. So using immunostains beyond the normal H&E, we can actually track these tumors out to a greater degree using frozen sections. Where can physicians access more information about this topic if they want to educate their patients who they might be referring to a specialist such as yourself? They should look at the website for the American College of Mohs Surgery, and that website is www.mohscollege.org. And for physicians who might be considering embarking on training, particularly in the Mohs procedure, do you have any tips for those doctors? Well, these are physicians who would have to perform a dermatology residency, basically, before embarking on any kind of fellowship training. For individuals who are already dermatologists, 
the ASMS, or American Society of Most Surgery, is the venue that these dermatologists generally go through. Do you think there's any value um, in physicians traveling to areas where the incidence of skin cancer is high or higher than where they are currently practicing? I think the skin cancer incidence is going up everywhere. So while there may be more skin cancers at this point in, say, California or Florida, the incidence is increasing all over the country. So you would expect that medical schools nationally would have a good grounding on the knowledge of you know, skin cancers and, and also in the training of dermatologic specialists. Every college should have a good foundation in that knowledge. Well, I think in most medical schools, the medical students will have exposure to dermatology, and at least at my institution, I give a lecture on skin cancer and Mohs surgery for the second-year students, so they, they do get some exposure to it. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, Dr. Ratner. We have been discussing Mohs surgery and skin cancer. I'm Dr. Mary Lushaz, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire medical library in on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening.